Onechurch.tv. How you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and uh, I tell you, we are finishing strong this series called The Problem of God today. Originally, it was supposed to be Carlo and I, uh, and you guys were going to be texting in your questions, but Carlo is homesick today. So y'all be praying for Pastor Carlo. Uh, we miss him today. Uh, but since he is not here, um, we, uh, we had to actually get two people to replace Carlo because he's just, he, you know, he has a PhD and I don't. So we got Luther um, and we got Kim and you put those both together. Wow. You got your own following. That's- Hold on a second. There's Luther. All righty. Let's settle down over there, ladies. Anyway, so. We didn't try this. Chris? <laughs> Whatever. All right. Y'all, so, are just, y'all are just cheering for Kim because this service, she took the bad chair that I had first service, and I just kept spinning. So he kept, he kept on going down and down, and so anyway. Just keep standing, uh, standing, That's standing. right. So uh, we're uh, finishing up today, and we want to hear from you. Uh, we want you to text your questions to 931-614-0339. I've been on Facebook this morning as worship was going on and being able to put the word out there. But we want to be able to chat with you about any questions you might have of this series that we've been talking about or uh, any other topic that you want to talk about uh, or, sorry, series going off, uh, or any questions you might have about our church. So we had a lot of really good questions come in the first service and uh, we may revisit some of those, but I would just encourage you guys. Is this yours? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just encourage you guys to be able uh, to text in your questions because if you don't, it's going to be a really short service. So, oh, y'all are like, oh, I'm not texting in nothing. So anyway, so. <laughs> While they're priming the pump, let's hit one from last service that I thought okay. was a great question and allows us to talk about some of who we are as a church. Uh, it says, since you believe the word of God is true, do you denounce homosexuality? That was a good one, 9 o'clock, just letting you know. Um, well, let me simply say this. We do believe uh, God's word to be true. Um, and uh, there's a difference between uh, denouncing things that we struggle with, the Bible calls those sin, and denouncing people who are sinners. Uh, we don't denounce homosexuals here, uh, just like we don't uh, denounce people who are struggle with pornography addiction or people who struggle with alcoholism or any of that. I believe um, that we, when we were created, God made us perfect beings. The problem is, uh, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve really screwed that up royally. And since then, we all struggle. We all have sin. We all fall short of God's ideal. That's what it means to. Uh, that's what sin means. Uh, and your sin is probably different than my sin. And what we have a tendency to do here in the church is we point out other people's sins that we don't struggle with. And we throw stones at that. And that's just not something we do here at OneChurch.tv. One of our, 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 our slogan, if you will, is we believe that everybody's welcome. Uh, nobody's perfect, but with God, anything is possible. So if you're here today and you're struggling with homosexuality, we want to let you know that we love you and that we accept you and that God loves you and accepts you as well. Not only does he accept you, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that you can have a relationship with him. And I believe that of all of us, if we started getting closer to Jesus, we're going remo- to we're going to move farther away from sin, myself included. So, uh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, as a church, you've heard us say a lot, and a lot of you are wearing the shirts today that say we are for Clarksville because we believe that God is for us. You know, John three sixteen says that God, you know, that 
for God so loved the world. And it didn't say that he just loved Christians and he just loved people who acted a certain way, but God loves every one of us. And so uh, we believe that it's our job to show people that God loves them, to, to present the truth of who Jesus is. The change in your life and the conviction of sin, that all belongs to the Holy Spirit. That's his job. Uh, and there have been a few times in my life where I have tried to do the Holy Spirit's job and I have failed miserably. Uh, not only do I not have a PhD, I do not have the qualifications for that job. Uh, so I don't, we don't believe it's our job to c convict you of your sins. It's our job to show you Jesus, show you truth, uh, and let him do that. But we are for you because just like we say all the time, we are for Clarksville, mm -hmm. and you're here. Yeah. And the other thing that we just touched on in that subject is, you know, all of us struggle with something. And some of the things that people struggle with are just more visible than others. So I might struggle with jealousy, but you may never see it. <coughs> I may struggle with anger issues, but you may not know. But inside, I may be in a great deal of turmoil. I may be thinking terrible thoughts. I may be wishing awful things on those around me. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that I'm not fighting it. And so sometimes I think when we see something in somebody's life that's a visible outward thing that we can just attach to that more quickly and feel like, oh, well, they're not right or they're, they need to fix this or fix that. Every one of us has a heart that needs to be fixed. That's right. Every one of us has a mind that is only, uh, only made right by God's goodness and love and rightness in our life. And so we just want you to know today, whether your sin is outwardly visible or whether it's something that's tearing you up inside, God meets us right where we are. Yes. We don't have to change our behavior before we come. We come to him and he begins the work in us. Absolutely. Next question is this, um, what does it mean to have a pure heart? Great question. Psalm 5110 David is writing this just after he has committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Bathsheba's wife. By the way. Husband. Oh, yeah. So, so. <laughs> uh, that, that was Bath question number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> killed Bathsheba's husband. Y'all quit making me smile. All right, anyway. So uh, uh, Psalm 5110 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. So the question is, what does it mean to have a clean heart? Well, let me simply say this. It doesn't mean that you're sinless because David wasn't sinless. But it does mean when you do sin and that's brought to your mind that you confess it. What does it mean to confess your sins? First John 1 9 says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you, look at this, from all unrighteousness. To confess somebody's sins, it's actually a sporting term. Uh, how many of y'all, you've ever been, you've seen an umpire or uh, one of those refs? Thank you. Uh, you're a ref, yeah, absolutely, do soccer. So when you see somebody uh, that, you know, somebody clips somebody's uh, feet in soccer, right? Somebody else sees that, and the ref sees it, and the ref makes the call, no clipping. Is that, that is the right thing, right? We'll go with that. Go ahead. Okay, anyway. So uh, it just means to call it what it is. That's what this term, if you confess your sins. So when you sin, and all of us, we talked about this first question, we all sin, just call it what it is. It's sin. God, please forgive me. I pray that you would create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So it means you're focusing on God's word more. You're spending more time with God and praying. So it's you're moving more towards Jesus. So Yeah, it's and it's, Kim said this a second ago. One of the things we believe here at One Church is you don't have to behave like we behave 
or believe like we believe to belong here. And God very much tells us that same thing here. It did not say, God, I'm going to create a clean heart and come to you. It, it, it's asking God, God created me a clean heart. That's, that's a question. That's a God, please do this. And it's, a real, it's realizing that on our own, we are never going to be righteous and clean before God's eyes. Um, that's through Jesus Christ that we're able to do that. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. It, it's, it's God living in us that helps us uh, get to this. Um, and so it's not about behavior modification. Um, he's not saying change what I'm doing with my hands and feet. He's saying change what I want to do. It, it's giving God the right to do that. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so just as we see here where we're talking about God created me a clean heart, and here in Philippians it says, think about these things. A lot of what we do, the actions that we live out begin in the heart. They begin in the mind. So having that uh, clean heart and that pure heart and that pure mind comes from that close relationship with Jesus. We have to stay in contact with him because on our own, we will quickly run to what the world has to offer. But when we think about him, when we meditate on him, when we fill our lives with his word, that is when the pureness of our heart begins. Good. Uh, Another question. What is your stance on Islam and we serve the same God? And they mentioned the Quran. Uh, I believe uh, that we do not serve the same God. Uh, I believe uh, Islam is one of the many religions out there. And though I respect people of other faiths, uh, here's something I don't believe. I don't believe that all religions go to God. I do not believe that. Um, I believe uh, Jesus said it himself, uh, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father, listen to this, except through me. And that's not me, that's Jesus. So the only way we can get to God is through Jesus Christ. But that's a really good question, all right? Let me get another one here. Sure. Why does one church make such a big deal about being in a small group and studying the Bible? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, ladies... <laughs> Or we like to call it the Tuesday night small church. Right, right, right. I'll I'll just start with this one. Uh, I'll just start here. So you come here and we sit in this dark room and we're looking at the back of somebody's head. Honestly, right now in this room, are you getting to know anyone? Are you spending time in the word face to face around a table with a group of people studying the word right now? No. Are you able to share your burdens sitting in this row right now? Are you able to encourage, pray for, care for, be there, laugh with one another right now? No. Are you able to do those things in a small group? Yes, you are. And so we just find that when we are in rows, we don't get the chance to turn around and look at each other and be real with each other and dig into Scripture together and preach at Kim. Yes, okay. Uh, this little message up here on the thing. Um, I'm just saying, y'all, if, if you are struggling and if you feel alone and if you feel like, I really don't understand what of this big deal is about relationship, it's because you haven't tried it. It's because you haven't just taken a step and gone there. And if you're like, man, I really want to really learn more about the Bible, but I'm not willing to go to a place where I can get around the table and dig deeper with somebody else, then don't expect change in your life. 
If you want change to come, if you want relationships, you have to take a step. You have to reach out. And I tell you the truth, there will be so many people standing there waiting, reaching out, ready to meet you. I'm going to jump in. Edmondson's already done preaching. Um, You know, God is relational. God is three in one. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God decided to be relational. God created us to be relational. Um, so many of the questions you guys asked for service and we're going to hear now, um, so many of those things that have gone wrong in our lives that cause us to have regrets and things were because of the people we were surrounded with. Mm-hmm. We went to a group of people and complained about our spouse and that group of people said, well, leave them. They didn't say pray for them and fix your marriage by fixing you. They didn't say love your spouse when they're not lovable. They didn't say respect your husband when he's not respectable. They said leave because we were surrounded by bad influences And so God calls us to be surrounded by people who want the same thing that he wants for us two years, five years, ten years down the road. Um, And if you want to be more like God, you have to know God's character. And the best way to know God's character is to read God's word. With a group of people. Uh, And let me tell you, I hear this all the time. I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to church. And you know what? You're exactly right. You don't have to be a Christian to go to church. But you can't be a growing Christian and not go to church. You hear what I said? Yes. And I'm telling you, one of the things, ladies, I'm just going to be put it out there. If, if, if you're not in a group, Tuesday night, Kim leads a group at the church offices. And as Luther's joked, it is a small church. Um, they need to start taking up an offering immediately. All right? Amen. <laughs> so, but it's one of those things where uh, you guys are going through the book of Philippians. Is James. That right? James. Yeah, what we've, I said. Already, we've already done Philippians. Okay, Thank so, you. Anyway, but really, I really would encourage you, ladies, if, you, if you're available on Tuesday nights, what time does it meet? 6.15 at the church office. It's an open group, so that means you can come anytime and bring a friend with you if you're afraid. So that way you've got somebody there with you. So, all right, next question. Uh, what happens after you've been saved? This is a great question. Aren't you supposed not to sin? What happens if you continue doing this, that thing that you've been struggling with? Will God be so mad at you that you can, can be considered not saved anymore? There's a lot there. Go ahead, if you want to hit yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. As I think about that question, I think of Kim and I. Um, I am an adoptive father. Kim was adopted. Um, and so we have both experienced what it looks like to become part of a family, to have your name changed. Um, and, and for all of our children, they actually changed their name when we adopted them. Much like in the Bible, people would have a change. You know, Saul became Paul. Um, and so when you become saved, when you decide that you, want to, that you believe that, that God created everything, that God brought Jesus into the world so that we could be made right in our separation from God, when you believe that and say that I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of my life, you are adopted into God's family and you get all the rights and privileges of being a son or daughter of God. Um, and so that's the first and most important thing that happens. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside you like we've kind of talked about. And, and that's that it's the Jiminy Cricket is what you know, the comparison. A lot of times that's, that's the thing that convicts. That's the thing that we hear God's voice um, to know when we're doing things that are wrong, when God wants us to pray for something or how to pray. Um, but you, even though I've adopted my kids, none of them still look like me, right? They still look a little different. And so, because my kids are brown in case you didn't know. Um, so just to get that out there so that it made sense. But so they're, they're, they're still who they were before they were adopted. So we still all struggle with the same sins that, you know, that moment that you get saved, everything didn't change. Now, your eternity changed. 
And you have a power now inside you to love in a way you couldn't love and forgive in a way that you couldn't forgive and to overcome the things that you struggle with, but it's not instantaneous. And so you're going to struggle with sin for the rest of your life. It's just, are you going to sit in it and make an excuse for it? And, and mm. you know, I, I think the problem we have a lot of times as Christians is we say, well, I'm saved. I got my get out of hell free card. Sure, I'll just continue to do this thing that I know God doesn't want me to do, but he'll forgive me. Um, and I think that's just a very unhealthy relationship to have with God. I'm not going to say you're not saved, but I would say it'd be worth looking at to see if you ever really made Jesus Lord of your life. Um, because once you, be, once you get to know God, once you're in that family, you want to please someone that you're in a relationship with. Um, and if you're just absolutely thumbing your nose at God and saying, I know you've told me not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You need to decide whether you really love him or not. Maybe that's a part of your life you need to examine. In the book of Ephesians um, chapter 3, um, I just want to remind you that when we are saved, we are not left alone to live life um, completely alone. Part of that is being in a small group, as we just talked about. But I want to share with you what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. And I'm in uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 16. If you don't think we have power available to us, this verse is going to change your mind. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down deep into God's love, and, you will, and it will help keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how high, how long, how wide, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand. And then you will be made complete, given fullness of life with all the power that comes from God. When you are saved, God has power and he will use it on your behalf. He doesn't just call you to him to leave you there. And so if you are in that place where you feel like, man, I'm struggling and how do I turn away from the things that I used to do? You call upon the power of your great God because it tells us here, there's nothing too wide, too long, too high, too deep. He has power and he will use it on your behalf. Uh, here's another question. Uh, is there a right time to get baptized? I have been wanting to, and part of me feels not worthy until I get things figured out in my life uh, with my marriage. Do you have any insight, words of wisdom? I do. I do. Um, let me just simply say this. If I, let me compare it by giving you a word picture. Um, I have, I'm driving down, I'm driving my car and I just got in a wreck. All right. So, uh, I banged my head. I got some blood coming out of my cranium. Um, and, uh, they're telling me to go to the hospital. Do I need to go home, take a shower, change my underwear, uh, and, uh, and wash the blood off before I go to the hospital? You know, your mama was always worried that you would end up in the hospital in dirty underwear. Exactly right. So the answer is no. Uh, I, that's what hospitals are for is to get better and to get cleaned up. And honestly, you don't have to be made right and get your marriage right before you get baptized. In fact, I would simply say the exact inverse is true. What you need to do is you, of course, if you, it sounds like you have a relationship with God. And if you have that, you need to go public with your faith. Today, we're doing a baptism. 
Um, and I don't know who you are. Uh, we do baptisms. Uh, uh, you know, we dunk you. We show a story. We don't have your story yet, but we can shoot it and we can put it up there. So my point is, I would, as soon as you can, say, you know what? It's time for me to get baptized. Baptizing is just advertising Jesus. That's all it is. Advertising Jesus. So great question. All right. Well, the short answer to that question is after you've started a relationship with Jesus Christ, you should get baptized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I got a, uh, this individual uh, sending a, a few. I know it's wrong to have more passion in my work than in showing my faith. Do you have w- ways to flip this balance? Let me simply say this. I believe that God has given us all passion, and it's nothing wrong with having passion for your work. I like this verse. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, everybody say whatever you do, give all to the glory of God. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, work as to the Lord. So it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, you can do it and have passion. Just bring Jesus in on your work and then on your passion. So, Well, and I think sometimes it's easy for us to get distracted or caught up in so many other activities. You know, if um, for me, if I'm at home, it's easy for me to get, oh, well, I need to do the laundry and I need to sweep and I need to mop and I need to do this, I need to do that. And I get so caught up in what I'm doing that I fail to be in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not miss the order here. Let's begin with Christ each day. Let's begin in the word each day. And if you think you're passionate about your work now, wait and see what God will do when you put him first in that as well, because then he will begin to give you more influence and the opportunity to talk about him more and move you into places that you wouldn't even have because you've started and you've committed to that relationship with him. And he will continue to grow his passion and his gifts in you. All right. Next question. How do you continue to push through what feels like fake smiles on Sunday and keep the drive to serve and go to church? Read that one more time. Sorry, hold on, I switched to How reverse. do you push through? Uh, how do you continue to push through what feels like fake smiles, smiles on, on Sunday, Sunday and keep the drive to serve and go to church? That's a great question. It is. A great question. I think the answer to that, you know, sometimes it, things do seem fake, don't they? Um, but let me just simply say this. You don't know that person's heart. Um, a, a smile that may seem fake to you may be absolute joy. I think more the issue may be more with you. And I think that's your question. You know, what do you do? What do I do when I feel that way? And I would just simply say, persevere, push through, but don't let your spiritual intake only be on Sunday mornings. That's a key. Because if you're not reading your Bible regularly during the week, me, I can come here and Carlo and I can give you an all-you-can-eat buffet and it's not going to last you to next Sunday because you have to learn to feed yourself during the week. So in a small group, it's a great way to do that, absolutely. But even outside a small group, one of the things that Kim does um, every morning is 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm sleeping, I'm snoring, and she's got the covers over her head with her phone and she's reading the Bible. Before she her foot, her feet hit the ground, she reads the Bible. And sometimes you get stuff out of it. Sometimes you don't. I'm the exact same way. But be consistent and push through. And no, this just may be a season. It may be a season. Anything y'all want to answer yeah. any of that? 
you know, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 talks about this kind of, you know, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfection of our faith. And it goes on to talk about that he ran his race with struggles and with opposition and probably didn't feel like it all the time. And I, I think that's important for us. I would say some, you know, something Chris just kind of touched on is I think so many times church can get hard and become overwhelming on Sundays if we're not worshiping on Friday and Saturday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, this is where we come together to worship together. But if you're not worshiping all week long, it's just not enough. You know, I, even for me, I, I'm usually the, uh, I unlock the building on Sunday morning, so I am always the first one in the door. But even for me, I'm the first one in the building, and I make sure that from my 11-minute drive to get here on Sunday morning at 5.50, I'm worshiping in the car on the way here um, because I can't just come in here and flip a switch on because it does feel fake. You know, it's it's my Friday night prayer time where I'm praying for these chairs and I'm praying for you and I'm praying for what God's going to do here. I'm coming in with a spirit of expectation and, and we've been doing portable church for a long time, 12 years and, and it, and it's hard and it's a lot of work and you guys are amazing because you guys show up and serve and you make coffee and you set up tables and you move stuff and you work with kids and whatever that looks like for you. Like I know it's hard. Um, and, and, and then we probably get to cheat because we have staff meeting on Monday mornings and we get to share the stories of life change and talk about the marriages that are being restored because of what we're doing here on Sunday mornings and uh, just people who are coming to know Jesus. And, you know, you're going to see baptism stories for the next two months because of today. Mm -hmm. and, and I hope that you take those moments in worship and realize that your serving is worth it, that God is changing, hopefully, your family, your life, your community, um, because of the way you're serving. But run your race with perseverance. Somebody just texted in on Kim's phone, one of her ladies in her small group. Uh, serving isn't about others, it's about you. It's about your walk with God and doing his work. And that is exactly right. Let me just simply say this quickly, because we're getting tons of questions. When you make the Christian life all about you, it gets really boring really fast. It's about other people and, and bringing other people to Jesus Christ. It's the reason why we do church the way we do church. It's the reason why you guys keep on bringing people every Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out, because it's not about us. We believe that the church is for, yes, us, but for everybody else who aren't showing up. So great question. All right. Uh, I've accepted Jesus, but have always felt like I'm not good enough for him and his love because of my past. Is it true? And how do I overcome feelings like this? Second Corinthians chapter five, um, verse, I can't, that verse is gone, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. When you begin a relationship with Jesus, your past is the past. That's right. He's not going to bring it up anymore. That's what forgiveness is about. It says in another verse that he has thrown our sin as far as the east is from the west. Thank you. Appreciate that. 
And so when we come to him, this means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ, so when you have said yes to him, his gift to you is that new life. His gift to you is that he will make you a new creation. It's not about what we can earn. It's not about what we deserve. None of us is good enough to get there on our own. It is through his gift in our lives that he gives us that new start. I went to read verse 18, and all of this... 2 Corinthians 5.18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ Jesus. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You are a new creation. You don't have to earn it. God gives it to you because of Jesus Christ. Live in freedom. Live in newness. Cool. Well, there's two groups of questions that really feed off that. I'm going to do one that we've gotten. I'm going to summarize a lot of questions that we got first service and this service. How do we deal with forgiving people when they're people that hurt us? Toxic relationships, family members who continue to hurt us, friends who we try to forgive, but every time we forgive them and give them access back to our life, they continue to hurt us. (laughs) There's like one of you answer that, please. Um, I'm reading questions. Yeah. Anyway, well, while he's on his phone, um, I was just sharing because Luther and I, um, for those of you that have a little bit of insight into our lives, we we, uh, have very, very similar lives. We were were probably twins separated at birth, which is kind of scary. But anyway, um, we both have siblings that uh, we deal with in our lives that um, I I think Luther's come further than I have, but I'm, I'm struggling to forgive. And um, God has really wrecked my life over this subject in the past few months. Um, Because when I read the Bible, it tells me that because all of the things that God has forgiven me of, then I should be willing to forgive. But sometimes forgiveness is a daily process. Sometimes forgiveness means that I have to let go over and over and over. And I think we get to that that place sometimes where we feel like if I forgive and it means that I have to forget it and I have to move on and act like it never happened. And that's not the case at all. Just like I have to go to the Lord each day and say to him, I need a fresh start. I know that I've got areas in my life where I've messed up. And so I ask you to forgive me. And God says, yes, here it is. Here's your fresh start. I have to do that with some relationships in my life where I go back and, man, I feel that sorrow or I feel that frustration or I feel that anger again. And I have to once again lay that down day by day by day. Luther, I know you had some insight on that as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I've come that much farther than you. You know, and we in bringing this up first service, you know, I have siblings that I have forgiven but that I don't have any relationship with. Um, and so one of the things, if you've been at one church for a while, something you've heard said from this stage is that unconditional love does not mean unconditional access. And so my, it's, it's funny, it's a definition I was walking through, uh, kind of helping someone come back to faith several years ago, and she had been hurt terribly by somebody. And we talked about that she had to forgive this man who had hurt her And she really struggled with that. And so we had to define what forgiveness meant for her. And the definition that we were able to come up with that that she could handle and, and pray for was that it was okay if that person who hurt her so badly could have access to Jesus's forgiveness, that he too could have a relationship with God if he came and asked for forgiveness. 
And so sometimes we forgive people, but we don't have to continue to take our heart and put it on a platter and say, this is me. I trust you with this. And I believe that you won't hurt me because when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. And so if someone has continued to hurt you over and over and over, you pray for them. You ask for forgive. You ask for God to forgive them. You forgive them. Don't give them if you don't forgive them, they keep power over your life, and you don't want those people to have power over your life. So we should forgive them, but that does not mean that you have to continue to give them access to your life. You pray for them. You want them to have all the same things that Jesus has given you. Give them, but don't give them that access. Uh, here's a, a question. Um, as a child, I was sexually abused for years by my stepfather. My stepfather was a deacon in the church. I am a Christian and I love to come to church, but I struggle when I do. It's hard for me to trust those around me. During church, my mind sits there and wonders who around me is putting on their Sunday face. So I haven't been to church in a while. I sit at home and watch the live internet feeds. How does someone get beyond that? Go ahead. You don't on your own. And I'll just start with I'm sorry. I'm sorry that adults choose sin, that there were adults in your life, people who are supposed to love you, who hurt you, but you're never going to get over that on your own. That kind of forgiveness only comes from the Holy Spirit because God says, I will give you a spirit of forgiveness. I'll give you a spirit of love. All those things come from God because I'm just going to tell you, I'm not capable of forgiving that person on my own. Like, we got some special forces guys in here. Like, we'll get together. We'll get in my car. We'll road trip. Like, there's, some, there's like, techniques and things I want to go do to that person right now. I'm just going to be honest. Like, on my own, I want to go hurt someone. Um, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit um, that you're ever going to find forgiveness for that. Now, I'm just want I am so sorry for what happened to you. And, and don't let the enemy get the last word. Because here, here's what's happening if you're not careful. Um, you're allowing the past pain, which is terrible what's happened to you, to keep you alone and to keep you separated from the pack. And you, you've heard me talk about this. You know, the devil uh, roams around like a roaring, roaring lion seeking whom to destroy, destroy. Excuse me. And it's one of these things that if he can get us alone, it just when you get that wildebeest alone from the pack, the lion, that's called lunch. And it, the great thing about it is you don't have to hang out with your stepdad anymore. Uh, you can get out of that situation. You can forgive him, but that doesn't mean you give access to, like Luther said. But you come here, you get into a community group. Maybe you don't like the big room yet. Get into a small group. Go to the Tuesday night ladies group. And let these ladies love on you. And, 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 and trust is a, is a process. And as you keep on living your life and you let more people in and you trusting them, I promise you, it will get easier. But right now, you're isolating yourself. Well, and I would say all three of us have either are currently in or have been in professional counseling because mm -hmm. we've been through stuff. And sometimes on our own, we're just not capable of unpacking the stuff in a healthy way. 
Um, and so I would encourage you, uh, whoever sent this question, if you have not had professional counseling, um, would really encourage you to do that. If we could help make some recommendations, get in touch with one of us at the church office, mm-hmm. and we'd love to help you do that. Yep, absolutely. I've got a question here that I think is a great one. It kind of encapsulates a bunch of the ones we've gotten. I'm always fake. Um, I'm sorry. I'm always fake being myself around anyone I'm around. How can I stop that? Because I want to be myself, um, but they're afraid. It's funny. This is one of those. We dealt. Actually, this was a question we had I, in ninth grade boys small group Wednesday night at Inside Out. Um, one of the young men in there, this was exactly what he was dealing with. And this is one of those things where we talk about Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, And this is how he does it. And so your desire to be liked causes you to be someone you're not, which then people like someone that you're not, which then makes you realize that the real you is not likable. So in your desire to be liked, you have made yourself feel unlikable. God says that you are perfectly and wonderfully made. He has known you since you were in his mother's womb. God loves you. He is so proud of who you are. You, are you're, you didn't come off an assembly line. You're a one-off. Like God took the time to sit down and draw out the blueprint of you down to your eyelashes and your just everything about you was a one-off. God described that. And then he said he handed those to Jesus, and Jesus took that and created you. And at the right moment, Jesus said, hey, Holy Spirit, and he breathed you into existence and you became a part of this world. And like God is, when I preach this with young adults, I use a cuss word there, so I can't do that here. But he's like, whoa, look what we did. Like we made that. And we look in the mirror and we look at our life and we, we call ourselves garbage. When the creator of the universe high-fived when he created you. And so find your identity in what Christ says about you and what God says about you in his word and stop worrying about what all the people around you... Because when you let people love you for who you really are will be the time that you feel the most loved and the most lovable. And there are people in my life who don't like me, and I'm okay with that because what I have decided years ago with some good counseling was that I was going to let people like or hate me for me, not who I was going to pretend to be. They're going to have to like or hate me. Uh, Next question. Uh, We just had two questions come in about suicide. Uh, if someone you know was saved but committed suicide, will you see them again in heaven? Uh, that is a great question. I will tell you, um, a lot of people believe, and I will tell you this is false, that if you commit suicide, that means you're going to go to hell. And that is not what sends somebody to hell. Uh, people who are separated from God, who go to hell, uh, do so because they have not chosen Jesus Christ as their Savior. So if you have a friend who was saved and they committed suicide, absolutely you will see them again in heaven. Absolutely. And let me simply say this. If, as a Christian, do, do you, have you ever struggled with suicide? And the answer is I can say yes, I have. And I think many of you out there could say the same thing as well. So if you struggle with that, I'll tell you, uh, in this summer, we're going to do a mental health sermon called How to Get Through What You're Going Through, and we're going to be tackling suicide and depression and anxiety, uh, and these are things that many times the church shies away from, but <laughs> we're not that church, and uh, because I believe that God loves messy people, and God wants to take your mess 
and make something good out of it. This is one of the verses that Kim just read. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is hasta lasagna. That's the message. A new life has begun. All right? So if that's something you're struggling with, go see a counselor. Come see one of us, and we will be able to, pick, we will be able to help you find a counselor. But know that you're not alone. You're not alone, and suicide does not send anyone to hell. Not having a relationship with Jesus Christ does that. And this is how we're going to end. First uh, John chapter five, starting at verse eleven, uh, says this. Um, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, verse 13, it says this. These things I have written to you who believe so that you may know that you can have eternal life. By, this, by these verses, can you know that you can have eternal life? Yes, and how do you do that? Is it coming to church? No. Is it getting baptized? No. Is it being good? No. It says this, God has given us eternal life and this life is found in his son. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the son of God doesn't have life. So if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I would just encourage you to pray and say, God, I want you to come into my life. I want to come to know you, and he will hear you, and that you can know that you can have eternal life. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be dismissed. And I would just encourage you, if this is what you need to do now, do that. It's okay. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you so much, Lord, for all of these questions. Many of the questions that we were able to get to, and some we were not able to get to, God. And God, I just pray Lord, for the, the person behind every one of those text numbers. Lord, uh, that they are questioning and many have doubts, many have concerns, and they're wanting to know the truth. And Lord, what I know about your word is when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And God, I pray that every one of those people, that they would take their next step. For some of them, it's getting baptized. For others, it's starting, hey, I need to go see a counselor. For others, it's I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ. For others, it's trying to stop cussing and being able to figure out what to do with that vacuum of when I say those words. And for others of us, God, it's just figuring out what, getting into a group, getting into a small group. And God, I pray whatever that looks like, that immediately after the service, Lord, that they would be able to come hang out with us at next room and just be able to, for we can all see their next steps together. I believe that everybody in here has a next step to take, including me. And God, I pray that you would show that to us. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said,